I, I break finance and accounting down into three uh, major um, major buckets, and they're kind of a pyramid. At the bottom of it is your foundational finance. The second bucket is your forecasting, planning. The last chunk is the strategy work as a finance team. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Backbone, a podcast exploring the journey of finance and operations within tech companies. I'm your host, Shabam Data, at Shabam on Twitter. If this is your first episode, welcome, and thanks for checking it out. For those returning listeners, I'm so glad you're here. I hope that you've subscribed, rated, and reviewed the show on whichever platform you're hearing this now. It would mean so much to me and help spread the stories of these amazing finance leaders we feature on The Backbone. On to the show today, I'm thrilled to welcome Mustafa Nafer, VP of Finance at Modsy. Headquartered in San Francisco, Modsy is a fast-growing online interior design company that is changing the way we design and shop for our homes. Through their proprietary technology, Modsy provides you with a highly realistic 3D design of your exact room, which are personalized to your budget, style, and needs featuring furniture and decor from trusted brands. At Modsy, Mustafa runs finance and accounting, and along with its CEO, led the company's most recent $37 million Series C financing round from TCV. Prior to Modsy, Mustafa spent a year at DoorDash as Senior Director of Finance leading corporate FP&A, where he supported the raise of their $535 million Series D round led the annual planning process and implemented a new planning system. He has also spent time at Sunrun, Zynga, and Best Buy in various finance positions, originally from Mumbai in India, where he worked as a public accountant before moving to the US to pursue an MBA from Washington University in St. Louis. And so without further ado, let's hear from Mustafa Nafer, VP of Finance at Modsi. Hey, Mustafa, how are you? Going great. Thanks for having me. A pleasure speaking with you today. No problem. I'm really looking forward to this chat. So why don't we get started and uh, start off with talking about your journey and how you got started into tech and finance. So you started your career with Deloitte in India. Uh, why don't you tell me a bit about the origins of that and, and how that all got started? Sure. So I started my career at uh, Deloitte in public accounting while I was still in college, and it was a great place to start uh, start working while still in college because you would learn something in the morning, like I would learn an accounting concept, and I have to go to work and apply it. Um, early on in my career, I was able to get great exposure to some very seasoned leaders um, because you worked in small project teams, and then you learn how businesses work, you learn how business like how you set up controls, what drives a business, you learn about different industries. And all this happens like really at a fast pace and in a very early, uh, early time in your career. It sets in some of the even, it set, set in some of the even more softest side of things like work ethic, responsibility and things like that, which, you know, as a college student, it's really great to have those things um, squared away right, uh, right in the beginning of your career. From Deloitte, you went on to take on many progressive finance roles starting with Best Buy, Zynga, Sunrun, and most recently, DoorDash, before taking on the VP finance role at Modsy. So walk me through that part of the journey 
host Deloitte. What's next after Deloitte? What I thought was, yeah, I was, I was always wanted to get ahead of um, the decision-making process. What, when as an accountant, you're always post-fact. You're looking at the transaction, what happened, and why it happened, and recording it. I wanted to actually get into more decision-making. That's when I went, decided to get um, get my MBA at Washington University in St. Louis. Um, basically, understand strategy, how the, how decisions are made, and be able to be a and be a decision maker, so to speak, versus being a recipient of a decision and then actually recording that decision. Straight out of business school, I decided to join Best Buy. Best Buy had this very unique program where you were, um, you know, in rotational five, you were in a rotational program where every eighteen to twenty four months you moved around. You got a you got a good. Uh, breadth of experiences and depth because you spent 18 to 24 months in different finance functions. So I spent some time in their real estate division where we were opening almost 100 stores a year, adding like $3 billion of revenue and $500 million of committed capital. Um, then I spent some uh, three years in treasury team there as well. Uh, this was right uh, during the Great Recession that we witnessed between 2008 and 2011 and managing a $3 billion port- investment portfolio with very minimal losses during that time. And then I went on to do a, a couple of corporate roles as well. Moving from Best Buy to Zynga, I was fortunate to have a mentor become the CFO at Zynga. And Zynga was a great opportunity in that um, I was at a front row seat in the strategy while Zynga was trying to pivot from a desktop gaming into mobile gaming. And it was a great time to actually learn, you know, be with, work with like some industry veterans and deciding what the strategy would be and how Zynga would grow into the mobile gaming. Uh, the one thing that I realized, uh, you could set the best strategy, but what I lacked was the operational experience and the uh, the process and the tools that are required to actually take this big strategic vision and um, the plans and actually distill it down to the lowest common denominator so that everybody can understand, set up all the processes and tools so that you can um, actually execute against that strategy. And I lacked that experience and I wanted that experience and that's what got me going um, one um, had me going to Sunrun um, where I could actually get good at the operational finance stuff like setting up tools setting up processes setting up uh, systems so at Sunrun we implemented Anoplan which is the first planning tool that uh, the company had had and with that you set up all the processes so how what are the weekly business reviews? What are the monthly business rhythms? When do you start the planning cycle? When do you end it? Um, and then allowing for iterations and all of that. So that's that's the place where I really honed my uh, operational skills and get, got really good at how do you set up business rhythms and cycles. The DoorDash experience was, again, really amazing. The reason I moved to DoorDash was um, Sunrun, you got information every month. To DoorDash, you got information every hour. So you could literally... Um, manage the business on an hourly basis if you wanted to, but again, you didn't. That would uh, not be a prudent thing to do. So DoorDash was more, again, very similar to Sunrun, setting up systems and infrastructure. Uh, at DoorDash, I implemented Adaptive, which is there again uh, the first planning software to uh, 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 that was used even uh, for the annual planning and uh, henceforth. Right. So DoorDash was a, a, an extension of what I did at Sunrun. Again, building systems, building processes, building rhythms. Um, while I was at DoorDash, uh, the CEO at Modzi approached me uh, to be the head of finance and lead all the finance and accounting at Modzi. And that's how I landed up at Modzi. 
That's awesome. That's quite the amazing journey to get to where you are now, which is the VP of Finance at Modsy. So tell me a bit about Modsy. What does the company do and what is it all about? So what does Modsy do? We are an online interior design company changing the way people design and shop for their home. Put simply, we are democratizing the way interior design works by making it affordable for the masses. How it works is, is customers send us photos and measurements of their real spaces then we transform them into photorealistic 3D designs. A team of expert designers provide, provide like layout and product recommendations completely tailored to your functional needs, your budget, and your style. Then customers can shop directly from their designs in one easy checkout. So think about it as like a room and board or a crate and barrel product catalog just for your home. Wow, that's amazing. And so then uh, is it somewhat a little bit like a marketplace where I can go in saying, hey, I want to have my living room redone, take a picture or uh, send in that request. And then on the other side, Modsy connects that with an interior designer. Is that how it works or not quite? You got the first part right. So we have designers that are already on contract with us. So we are not we are not a marketplace for interior designers. We are a marketplace for furniture. So basically, uh, you, when you submit the, uh, your photographs or your photos, photographs and measurements for your room, we convert that into a three D model and we get it. We have interior designers on on staff that will actually design the room for you um, based on a queue, and uh, we are not matching you to the interior designer. You work uh, directly with our platform, and once you get the designs back, you're you um, you're uh, exposed to a whole marketplace, a furniture marketplace from which you can actually buy your product straight from there. So you could buy a uh, product from multiple vendors like Crate and Barrel, CB2, West, some of the, these are some of the big partners that we work with um, to actually buy furniture straight from one, in one cart. So um, the designer is actually you know, working with you to maybe um, plan out a different variety of different options uh, and it, putting in those plans, hey, these are some options of couches or lamps or, or whatever the case may be. And then it's up to you to, as the consumer who's getting their room redesigned, to choose what's the furniture that they want. And then they can purchase it directly through the Monty platform because you have connections with all the furniture providers that are partners with you. That's correct. Um the thing is, the designs that you get back are uh, all iterable. So they are. You can there. We have our self-help tools that you can use to redesign your uh, space. So you will get a fully designed uh, picture or a fully designed studio, and then those designs are fully customizable based on how you how how much you want to customize. So if you don't like the sofa, we have um, a tool a feature in 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 the studio itself that you can swap those that sofa out as many times as you want, or if you want a more entire layout redone, then you could request a change and one of our on-staff designers would actually redesign it for you based on the recommendations that you provide. That makes a lot of sense. And I have a better understanding of what Modsy does and what it's all about. One theme I noticed in your career is that you started your career within a large company and started to work your way to more and more startups or smaller scale companies. And so what was the transition like for you and why did you make it? Sure. Um, so big companies, uh, the beauty about big companies is you get to do a scope 
of things. You get to you do get to do a wide scope of things and a wide variety of things. Uh, the pace of learning and the pace at which you do it is probably a little slower, uh, given that you know they're so big and each function. Like you could spend the whole lifetime in the marketing function at Best Buy if you wanted to. Um, so it's a great place to learn in a very structured environment. For somebody who likes structure and somebody who likes the space, it, it's a great place to learn and grow your career. For me, I wanted to experience something different and I wanted to keep learning. And I wanted to do, do things at a little fast, like, little faster pace. And that's what I found at uh, both at Zynga and at uh, DoorDash and now at Modsy, is that you need, to, you, you need to learn a lot of things in a really short amount of time. So... I'm having a conversation with the marketing team. I'm having a conversation with the HR team. I'm having a conversation with the product team all in the same day. So the pace of learning is much faster. I may not go that that much in depth, but the pace of learning is much faster. So uh, how did I manage the transition? It was a tough transition for sure, because you literally have to uh, work doubly hard to learn these things uh, as fast as you can to be able to, to be effective and to have an impact. I just worked really long hours sometimes, some days to just get up to speed. And most of these industries were also different. <laughs> While I was learning about the different functions, I was also getting up to speed with the, with the different industries as well. Right. So a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of maybe late nights uh, to, to make the transition. But uh, it seems like it's been uh, well worth the, the, the hard work that, that you put in there. Um, I, I want to uh, jump back between your kind of experiences at a public, large public company like Best Buy or Zynga even to fast growing startups like DoorDash, you've seen many finance functions and kind of how to scale them. So what are some of the biggest learnings for implementing and growing finance functions within companies that you're now implementing at Motsi? And then in particular, you mentioned a quote earlier when we chatted, which I found you know uh, quite fascinating, which was uh, you said that you can miss earnings many times, but you can only run out of cash once. So talk to me, maybe start with that. <laughs> start with that, that uh, um, quote that you mentioned and then talk about the systems that you're implementing. Sure. Um, that quote that I mentioned was somebody, a quote that I learned from uh, during my time at Best Buy during the financial crisis, right? And uh, managing the balance sheet was equally as important as managing earnings um, and a big company. And you can imagine Best Buy uh, was a, a massive company. And then managing both those things at the same time was uh, much harder at, at a company like Best Buy versus um, versus a smaller company like DoorDash or um, Modsy, which are more venture-funded companies. So, having said that, the thing uh, things that I have the things that I have learned and that I have implemented, I, I break finance and accounting down into three uh, major um, major buckets, and they're kind of a pyramid. At the bottom of it is your foundational finance stuff, which is your transactions, your transaction reporting your accounts payable, your P2P processes, your budgeting processes, your systems, your data integrity, how all of those things work. That takes up a lot of the time and focus, uh, especially in smaller companies and even in big companies. Big companies have the benefit of being around for for like tens of years, and those processes are well established and laid out. The second bucket is your forecasting, planning, and managing these processes of getting aligned plans and aligned, uh, creating accountability and 
you know, cost correcting as you lay, lay out these plans. So that is more the business rhythm work, uh, the KPI work, and uh, that falls in the middle chunk. And as you go up this pyramid, the, it, the pyramid gets narrow. And the last chunk is the strategy work uh, that you do with um, a, 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 as a finance team, right? Which markets to go to, which products to launch, what does the strategy look like two years from now, three years from now, five years from now? And at a place like Best Buy, that is way more important and um, takes up a lot of time to align that. And then uh, at smaller companies, you're doing all of those things together and simultaneously as a finance professional. So the thing that I have learned uh, that I've implemented here at uh, Modzi, right, to get really strong at the foundational stuff. So I've hired really experienced people who have done this work before and have them focus on that because I want that foundational stuff to be really strong before you go on to the next two things. Because if you don't have the foundations correct, um, it's if your reporting is not correct, you can't make decisions, basically. So focusing on that um, while building the capabilities and putting in systems to, in place and processes in place to uh, do the second piece of the work, which is having good reporting infrastructure to do the KPI. So now the two things that I've done over here is we have a monthly close meeting every month. We close the books, we review it with the C-suite, and we know how we did, how we did versus plan, and have that meeting and have that accountability with the entire uh, C-suite. Second, we have weekly KPI meetings, and we put in, I put in Looker in place right when I got here, which sucks in all the data from all our databases. And then... Um, with just one analyst, we'll be able to get some amazing KPI reporting, uh, which allows us to make uh, look at this data every week uh, and keep uh, uh, you know iterating and make better decisions based on some really good data every week. And then while doing all of this, I also work with the CEO and the C-suite on establishing a strategy that's six months out, one year out, and 12 months out. Well, Two years out on what Mozi would look like in two years. Got it. And so, um, obviously, your Mozi is not a public company today, and so you, you don't have the the pressures of, of thinking about missing earnings. And but but you are definitely concerned about you know running out of cash. And so, what are like as you think about that pyramid or in that stack? Um, where does the monitoring of cash? come into play? Is it at the foundational level or is it at the, the monitoring of the KPIs and, and uh, uh, or is it at the strategic finance level? Where do you slot that piece in? Cash becomes important to manage and you manage that. But, you know, uh, give you a great example. If you're an Olympic athlete, right, you want to compete for the Olympics. Um, and all you're thinking about is getting a medal. And if you don't get a medal, um, you don't think about that scenario while you're just competing. So the way I think about the cash is I'm just going to compete and I'm just going to do my best and execute as best as possible to uh, hit the milestones that we need to hit as a company, as a smaller company. Because if you start like worrying about not meddling, you will not go, you're not, <laughs> it's, it's not the right thing to worry about. Right. No, that, that's a great analogy. I like the way that you frame that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, last question here we, before we move into our quick fire round, and that is, in your opinion, what is the biggest misconception about the finance function within a technology company? One misconception that I see in Silicon Valley is that strong networks matter to get good opportunities. 
while that is very true and I have been a beneficiary of a good network myself, but after a point, it's your skills and experiences that start mattering more in finding the next, next opportunity. So if you're good at what you do, the opportunities will come. Second, there's been a lot of talk about diversity and inclusion in the Bay Area, but I don't think there has been enough progress made or the progress has been slow. And I hope uh, employers do more to hire folks of diverse backgrounds. That's definitely uh, uh, something that, you know, I, I wish more companies would do is just uh, look at candidates, not just for the school that they attended, but uh, evaluating them for the ability to um, work in the role uh, that that you want them to and, and yeah. potentially grow within the organization. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so what I'd love to do now is jump into our quick fire round. And the way this works is I'll ask you a couple of questions. You have 10 to 15 seconds to respond to each. How does that sound? That sounds great. All right. So what is your go-to online resource for all things startup finance and growth finance related? It's LinkedIn. I have a bunch of good networks that I connect into. Uh, to ask questions uh, regarding startup finance and uh, just general finance and uh, finance questions. That's awesome. Yeah, LinkedIn is great. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite productivity hack? I just got on this productivity hack a couple of days ago called an iPad Pro along with Microsoft OneNote where I write down everything and don't commit anything to memory anymore. And I've become better at uh, organizing myself and ensuring I follow through on everything I said I will. Huh, very cool. So you just carry that around to your meetings and you just jot everything down. That's exactly right. A, a traditional notebook where I would actually handwrite in a note, normal notebook, I would. I, it was harder for me to um, search and go back to those pages, but with OneNote you could search and it's, it's right there in front of you. Nice. Um, what's one thing you don't leave the office before finishing? I don't leave the office without calling my wife that I'm leaving work. I have not heard that one before, but that's a very important one. Either to tell her, don't wait up for me, <laughs> or I'm on my way and I'll come and put the kids to bed. That's very nice. That's awesome. Uh, what's one tech jargon that makes you cringe? That would be black turtlenecks and dilution. <laughs> that was, when, you, when you started talking about uh, black turtlenecks, I, I thought you were going to get into this fashion rant, but then, and, and dilution, okay. That rounds it out. Fair enough. Uh, um, what's the best advice you've received so far in your career? The best advice I've re received is hard choices, easy life. Easy choices, hard life. Hmm, interesting. And, and can you elaborate on that? I'll, I'll give you more than the 15 seconds on this one because I'm intrigued. Sure. So uh, early on in my career, you know, when I was at Deloitte, um, you always had to make choices on how, how much time you spend uh, doing a task and how deep did you go in the task and uh, you know the more time you spent in it and then you sacrificed your uh, your social life or whatever it was that you did and you made the choice of staying at work and doing the best you can with that uh, made you grow faster made you learn faster and opened up more opportunities uh, for you which made it easier for you to get better and better uh clients and projects and when if you didn't make if you made the easy choice hey no i'm gonna go for a movie with my friends and do this you sat on the beach for a long time that's just an example of it but so the hard choices wow that's uh, i've never heard someone put it that eloquently the, the way that you just did so i really appreciate that 
Um, well, thank you so much, Mustafa. I really appreciated this conversation. I've definitely learned a lot, and it was great to walk down kind of your journey um, as you went from Best Buy, Zynga, Sunrun, DoorDash, now to Modsy, talking about Modsy, what the company does. I think that's fascinating. Uh, and then also talking about the comparing and contrasting uh, the systems that are in place and how to think about scaling finance functions, both at a public company and how that differs in a startup environment or in fast-growing technology companies. So thank you so much and really appreciated the time today. I enjoy talking with you too, Shivam, and thanks for giving me this opportunity. Awesome. Well, until next time, take care. Bye now. Take care. And that wraps up another episode of The Backbone. I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Mustafa Naffer, VP of Finance at Modsy. Check out some of the other awesome finance leaders featured on The Backbone from companies like Ecobee, Wealthsimple, League, and many more. Thank you for listening all the way through and joining me on this journey inside finance at a tech company. Until next time, take care.